creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I don't know if there are any other philosophical quandaries that have split me up quite like the whole, should you follow your dreams or should you just get real? Should you just be practical and pragmatic? Like to follow your bliss or dismiss it as this fanciful distraction that gets in the way of actually making real progress with you know, real options in your life and just getting to work. Honestly, I have made a podcast on creativity and career, which is kind of both of those categories for the past eight years. And for the longest time, I just didn't have a sense of closure. You know, I would see these people that would give up on their passions and just accept whatever life handed to them. And it would feel like such a waste. But at this same time, I would see people get really overly romantic and idealistic and even really too woo-woo about following their dreams and end up wasting a ton of time, crash and burn, have nothing to show for it, and it would equally just break my heart to see people in that zone. And my own path and my own creative breakthroughs, they never seemed to fit squarely within either of those boxes. And I kind of always have identified with both, but been completely uncomfortable with being both a dreamer and a doer. And I've always kind of felt conflicted about it. Until now. I now have the definitive answer. Just kidding. I don't have the definitive answer, but I do have a different way of dancing with the question, so to speak, that has given me enough clarity to move past analysis paralysis and I think explain some of the biggest creative breakthroughs in my past. So if you get stuck in this zone, this episode is for you. Let's go. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. 
got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Chapter one, quit being so literal. The first step to finding the power between that following your dreams energy and that realistic uh, realism, strategic energy, I think is to quit being so literal. Now, I couldn't think of any better way to explain what I meant by that than telling a story. So gather around kids and get some of that microwave popcorn with movie butter and sprinkle on some of those ranch seasoning sprinkles. Uncle Pizza has a story to tell that I think will genuinely illustrate this idea and really bring it to life. The Literal Dream Interpreter by Andy J. Pizza. There once was a woman whose life dream was to become a dream interpreter. She studied, saved, and spread the word all over town. It was hard, and it took longer than she ever thought it would, but eventually she had her first customer. It was a man with a reoccurring dream of fishing. But instead of catching normal fish, he was catching words, like the word awesome and impressive. He wondered out loud if this meant that if he went fishing, he'd actually catch something awesome and impressive, and he'd maybe even be the whole talk of the town. The dream interpreter told the man that he was already fishing as the dream meant he was fishing for compliments and that the key to dreams is to not take them so literally. At the end of the session, on the way out, the man said, by the way, I'm super impressed by your new business. I've always dreamt of becoming a legendary warrior and defending the world, but I could never follow my dreams like you have. The dream interpreter explained it wasn't as glamorous as it looked and that all the man needed to do was start small. Forget dragons and defending the world. Why don't you just ward off the wolves that snatch the local livestock and start by protecting this tiny little town? The man was thankful for the dream interpretation, but even more thrilled about the encouragement and strategy about following his calling. In fact, the man really did become the town protector, a total legend in his little world. Whenever he was thanked, he would say, don't thank me, thank the dream interpreter. None of this would have happened without her help. Word of the dream interpreter quickly spread through the town and her business exploded. She would have been thrilled, but she kind of felt conflicted. Sure, her customers paid for and enjoyed her dream interpretations, Funnily enough, every interpretation was more or less the same. She felt as if she just had to say the same thing over and over. The key to dreams is to not take them so literally.
again and again, the key to dreams is to not take them so literally. It was a little bit repetitive, but that wasn't the problem. You see, after each session, having heard of how she helped the town defender guy, they always asked her how they too could follow their passion. And this was the problem. They seemed to be so much more excited to hear her speak about that. Finally, she'd had enough as her latest client was walking out the door and just about to ask for advice on following their dreams, she cut them off. I've had enough. My life dream was to become a dream interpreter, not someone who helps people turn their work fantasies into reality. The client stopped and replied, your dream was to become a dream interpreter, but can't you see that's what you're already doing? You take people's lifelong dreams and you interpret them into reality. It may not be exactly what you dreamt of doing, but, and she paused and smiled a little bit before adding, the key to dreams is to not take them so literally. Some of you know, I'm a bit of a Jungian, you know, Carl Jung mythology person, and I've been on a Jungian podcast kick. One of my favorite podcasts in this realm is This Jungian Life. Now, if you're not a total nerd for this kind of thing, these kind of psychological deep dives, it might not be your thing. But recently, they did an episode on the idea of calling or vocation you know, like your life's purpose. And about halfway through, they started to wrestle with, should you follow your calling and your dreams or not? And it really seems to work for some people, but then ends in disaster for other people. And they're just like wrestling it out. And finally, they come to the conclusion, you should follow your calling, but you should realize that the calling or the life dream comes from the deeper self or the psyche and that it's the job of the conscious self to not just take that dream literally, but to strategically interpret it and manifest it into reality with good sense and hard work. Now, that's about where they left it off. And it is a dream analysis podcast, so I'm not going to take a ton of credit for this idea of putting all these pieces together, but upon hearing that, my brain just exploded because I realized that they were using the same language to talk about vocational callings as they were nighttime dreams. For context, the whole time I've been doing this podcast, I have felt pulled between the extremes of the mystery of creativity and real world pragmatism that comes with building a career. And I've always felt completely conflicted oh. about these two polar opposites. And that conflict comes from the fact that all of the wins in my creative path have not fallen into either of these categories in a clear, definable way, but they all have had a little bit of both. And trusting the path alone mysteriously never worked, and then completely forgetting all that quote-unquote mumbo-jumbo, like that never worked, but... They seemed so squarely at odds and at the same time both at play when it actually worked. 
This is why that explanation blew my mind. I realized that your calling, your life dream that was pulsing from within that psyche, that deeper subconscious place was perhaps not unlike the type of dreams that that psyche serves up when you're asleep. And that the only way to understand both your daydreams and your night dreams is to not take them literally, but to consciously interpret them into reality and into a way that actually makes sense. I realize that the work that I'm doing on this podcast is essentially that of a daydream interpreter. When presented with, should you follow your big dream or take a more strategic path, the simple answer seems to be both. But I don't even think that's true because I don't think that's going far enough. I think the real answer is they are the same thing or that they can be. That one is a gut level symbolic impulse that potentially has wisdom that your conscious self doesn't have. And the other is an interpretation that we can actually bring forth into our real lives. So if you dreamt of being a rock star, what would it look like to stop taking that so literally and see what is the impulse that is being revealed through the symbolism of a rock star? Maybe it's still something around performing music, but maybe not. You know, maybe you dreamt of being a Hollywood actor. That's the type of symbolism that is bubbling up from the deeper self. But what does that symbolize? And maybe you want to be an artist with an exhibit at the modern art museum in New York City. But what are the symbols? What could you actually do? And so in this episode, I want to look at what would it look like to extrapolate the essence of this dream and where it's trying to take you and who it's trying to turn you into? What would it look like to look at that far off imaginary fantasy place way out in the future and name that thing? but then also extrapolate the symbolism and the impulses and step-by-step step all the way back to where you're actually standing right now with the realistic options that are within your power to start living a piece of that essence today. Chapter two, to dream or to interpret? That is the question. After you have prepared yourself to not just take your lifelong dreams literally, but interpret them like they are a dream that came to you in the middle of the night. If you're down with that, the second part is to integrate the best of dreams and strategy into your creative practice by taking a look, an honest look at which one of these two directions, which, which of these two opposing energies are you more partial to? right now? Which are you giving more play to? Which come more naturally to you? And then which are the ones, which one is the one you tend to ignore and make space for a course correction of sorts? Now, most listeners know that this show tends to pull from epic journey language as a means of implementing a growth mindset in creators who tend to get stuck in the whole, do I have the X factor? Do I have the talent or do I not? Which is a fixed mindset and, and doesn't actually help us that well. And we use that epic journey language because it, it helps us realize this is going to take time. And we pull a lot from Joseph Campbell's hero's journey metaphor. And 
what a surprise. I think that metaphor is useful right here, right now in this episode. So in the most abstract, the hero's journey is a story loop. You see it in lots of mythology, lots of movies, lots of stories generally. And it's just this idea that the main character has to leave home to gain something, a type of elixir, and then come home with the elixir. They have to leave the Shire to destroy the ring, and then they have to return to the Shire. It's this big loop. And for today's use, I want to use home as representing your comfort zone. And so which is your comfort zone? Dreaming, like fanciful dreaming, fantasy, that kind of living in that big ambitious place, or is your comfort zone the whole doer realism? Be let's be a realistic, let's take actual steps. Which one is your home, so to speak? Where do you live, at least right now? And I think this is a good practice because I think it's a good time to be taking a good look at our comfort zones because I think we need to review them because we've been in this huge pandemic and there's all this mayhem in the world. And I think for a lot of, a lot of us, myself included, what I consider to be my comfort zone has become smaller and smaller and smaller. A smaller circle is where I exist. It's a small, smaller social circle you know, less restaurants are in that circle or any restaurants at all. Uh, our worlds have become very, very little because of all the madness. And I just think that there are ways in which if we're not careful, we're going to get stagnant and we're going to get stuck in little comfort zones um, if we don't actively, cur you know, find some courage and some bravery you know, we're becoming like those little borrowers, you know, the little people that live in the floorboards. This little morsel of a breadcrumb of life will be sufficient for me. I'll eat it out of this thimble with a, with a, a few a dew drops to wash it back. Like that's how I've been feeling over the past few years, like too scared to dream uh, and, and too scared to leave any of my comfort zones. And that's impacting even ones that you know, there's still ones that we don't have the freedom to break free of, but there are a lot where I've just allowed myself to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And so I think it's a good practice for us to address this um, in, in every kind of way. And so don't take any health advice from old doctor of pizza. I'm not giving you advice on politics or how to deal with the pandemic or anything at this stage. But what I am saying is that I think that it's important to face how small our comfort zones have become and take a, an encouraging note from the hero's journey about how to expand in some ways without pushing ourselves so hard that we break. Because our comfort zones are our comfort zones for a reason. I think we actually need them. The, the lesson of the hero's journey here is to leave your comfort zone. Try something new. But know that ultimately you will return to the Shire. You're going to return to rest. You're going to return to the safe place. You're going to return to relax and rejuvenate, uh, you know. But if you go on the journey, that this time when you go back to the Shire, your quote-unquote home, it will be the same comfort zone, but you won't be the same person because of the journey. You'll actually bring something fresh and new, and, a, and you'll make the place better to return to. 
And so with this framework, let's talk about dreams and jobs. Before you do anything, you have to stop and say, at this time in my life, is home dreaming or is it doing? Now, I'm a dreamer at heart. And so this should be just very easy, right? Like dreaming's my home, but I actually don't think so. Dreaming is my home as a creator. Like I love the big picture fantasy, all that kind of stuff. That's how I've been my whole life. But when I reflect on it through the lens of the hero story loop, I think I see something that's surprising to me actually, that the purpose of this weekly thought experiment that we always do every weekend and week out with these different ideas is hopefully to give you a different perspective that allows you to find something you missed before. And for me, this framework is allowing me to see that dreaming is usually home for me or it's my natural state, but that long, long ago in a faraway land of Southern Indiana, when I first got started and I really crashed and burned in my comfort zone, that I left that for the pragmatic world of reading business books and magazines and, and podcasts so that I could actually build this thing into a real thing. And that I left my home of dreaming and I went out into the uncomfortable zone of the realistic practical strategy and instead of coming home, after, you know, I found some of these elixirs and slayed some dragons, I found it actually comfortable and fun. And I set up camp out there and I made that my home. And if I'm feeling ungrounded or uneasy in my path at the moment, all I have to do to feel comfortable is start thinking about growth and action and, and the pragmatic stuff. And I get instantly at ease. The unnatural doing side has actually become home for me. And the dreaming is my discomfort zone. So like me, as you start using this framework to kind of figure out which one's home right now and which one do you maybe need to give some more attention to, you're going to have all these things come up. We're going to be like, oh, this is why this is. This is why I've made home out in the pragmatic business world. And you're also going to start to come to terms with, now that that's out in the open beyond the subconscious, now we can actually do something about it. And so for me, that looks like, what would it be like if I let myself dream again uh, on the precipice of age 36? Like that's scary once you've done this much stuff and you're at this age. And when I'm in that zone, now that I've realized that I need to dream again by working through this, I can gravitate towards hearing and holding on to things like, James Murphy of LCD Sound Systems first album dropped at age 37 and be like, man, my first album could come out next year. <laughs> that's not the literal, that's, a, that's too literal of a translation of a dream. But what I mean is I could do something next year that I never dreamt of doing until this year. Like maybe it's time to allow myself to open up to that stuff. And I recognize that through going through this, like where is home? Where is the potential elixir? And, and, and which do I need to focus on dreams or do I need to focus on doing? So those are the stories and insights that I need to hold on to and grab and pull inspiration from, but you're going to have different ones. So which is home for you and which is away for you? And when you have a sense of that, we can take some action.
chapter three, the call to adventure. Once you have named which side of the equation you need to explore, the dreaming or the reality, it's time to do something with that information. Every episode, we end with something you can do right now. A quick win that just helps you start getting some momentum and integrate this the big idea from the episode into your actual life. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, you're going to have two options based on whether you need to, uh, you know, go into dream side or whether you need to go into doing side. So if you said that you need to embrace the dream side more, here's the tip that really broke me open recently. And it, it really opened this side up for me. So I've been reading, I just finished reading this book called Bittersweet by Susan Cain. And it blew me away, broke me open, blew open my mind. Like I, I honestly can't remember another book hitting me quite like this. And you might know Susan Cain as the author of this huge book called Quiet, all about introverts. She had a mega TED talk on that subject. Uh, this book, Bittersweet, is all about melancholy. And it's the happy, sad, longing feeling that you get when you listen to sad music or look at the stars. I mean, that is my jam. I have a character that uh, personifies melancholy that I made tattooed on my arm because that's the feeling I identify with above all else. And I could go on and on about the book, but it was kind of like a spiritual awakening for me. No crap. But this book, Susan asks this incredible question. And it's, what do you long for? And it's not, what do you want? What we want, it might be like the ultimate dopamine rush, man. I just want some, you know, a huge ice cream sundae. No, <laughs> not what you want. But on a deep psyche level, to really use the dreamer language, like what is that dreamer right brain, subconscious, deep self calling out for like that side of yourself would call that part your soul. What do you long for on a soul level? And if that language of soul makes you uncomfortable, that might be a sign that that's the side that you need to dive into. You know, that language soul is symbolic language and it is the language of the dreamer. And it was my natural state, but I too have become uncomfortable with that language. Like on this podcast, at all costs, I try to go against my nature in a lot of ways to, to avoid that kind of woo-woo, overly romantic talk because I think it's a zone that gets easily manipulated. And a lot of folks do so for bad. And a lot of people make those things too literal in, a, in such a way that it gets them into trouble and do does a lot more harm than good. But, you know, I think two things to remember, if this is you, uncomfortable with the soul language, uncomfortable with the question of what does your soul long for? There's two things I think that uh, would be helpful to remember to get most out of this exercise. Number one is allow yourself to explore the soul side of this equation through what this framework makes possible because this framework says even if we're using the soul we're using that uh, that word symbolically soul is just a symbol for some 
soul may just be a symbolic term for a neural network in your mind, perhaps like it, do, it doesn't matter either way, but you can take comfort in the idea that as we explore this discomfortable side for you, that we aren't being literal. You can say soul and mean something very material if you want, you know, that we just don't have language or understanding for at the moment. And that speaking in that symbolic language of dreams will allow you to hold on to that long enough to gain its wisdom. So what does your soul long for? The second thing to remember, I, I already said it, but it it's that this language, if it makes you uncomfortable, then it's probably the one you need to leave home for. Okay, now, if you already know what your soul longs for, if you already know your mega epic dream location that you want to end up in someday, then it's time for you to make the journey out of La La Land, out of the fantasy world, and back on the ground and get real about how can we interpret whatever that is into something beyond just a fantasy future. And the best way that I've found to get real about my dreams is to ask, what is the cost of living this dream on a literal level? So a few years back, I was making a bunch of trips to Los Angeles. And every time I went, I would go to multiple comedy shows. As a kid, I dreamt of being a comedian and being on Saturday Night Live. And I really dreamt of being like a comedy actor. Uh, as I got older, I got more obsessed with stand-up too. But um, you know, in my late 20s, I realized that people like Kristen Wiig and Fred Armisen didn't really even get on Saturday Night Live until they were in their 30s. And I started to think, could I still be a comedian? Um, but then I went to these shows, these comedy shows in L.A., and it was kind of a reality check in the best sort of way. Like, I didn't think, oh, I could never do this. And it wasn't just this huge, like, you know, self-deprecating bummer. Um, but I thought maybe... Maybe I could literally do this, but what would the cost be to do that at this stage? Like let go of the dream of being randomly selected and discovered overnight. Like that's the exception to the rule. The 99% of people that do make it in this way, how do they do it typically? It's usually like seven to 10 years of hustling in comedy clubs and while I think if I really wanted to, Sophie and the kids would all be willing to give me everything I needed to try and do that, the cost of that is just something that I am not willing to pay for me, but way more for my family. I just don't want to do that to them. Like, they don't deserve that. I, and also, selfishly, I also am not willing to throw away all the other stuff in my life and career that I already love a ton. I love all this, doing all this other stuff. And I was, if I went into just hustling in that way, I'd have to throw it all away. And so if you need to journey out into the dream state, then you need to ask yourself, what does my soul long for? And if you need to leave the home of the dream state into reality, if that's the land that you got to journey into, you got to ask yourself a more pragmatic question, which is, what cost am I prepared to pay to make some essence of this dream interpreted into reality? Now, this question gets underneath that dream and it really boils it down to 
you know, something you can actually do and be real about it. Be real about how you are willing to take actual steps to follow the paths of those who come before you, not the exceptions that randomly got, you know, crazy viral on TikTok and then got their own show and whatever. That's one out of millions and millions. The dream that you want to do, what is the cost of it? What portion of that cost are you willing to pay? And what part of the essence of that dream can you expect to make manifest in the next few years of your life, considering what you are actually willing to pay? And the bottom line, I think, of this whole entire episode is summarized in this thought. In interpreting your dream into reality, have you asked, what do the symbols of this dream actually mean to me? When I look at it and I think, what does a stand-up comic symbolize to me? Because it's not just, oh, I want to be, uh, I want to be on Saturday Night Live. You know, that was me at 14. And I've had plenty of dreams since then. And that dream meant something to me beyond the fantasy. What was it symbolizing? What did it mean? I think that it, I think that what attracts me to that kind of work is someone who on a regular basis with a real rhythm in cyclical nature of, you know, showing up to the club, working out the stuff in front of people, you know, they have the tools in the arena to express themselves in such a way that people hear it and understand it. I think that is what the dream has always been about for me. That's what it symbolizes. And as I wrote that bit out, doing this exercise for myself, I was hit by what I hope to be the greatest gift of this framework. And here it is. As I wrote out the final lines of this episode of realizing that my dream uh, as a kid to be in comedy was actually about having a space where I could regularly on a regular basis articulate myself and be understood by people on the other side actually hearing it. I realized that I was just finishing another episode of my podcast that I do on a regular basis and that as you're hearing me say this right now, you're hearing it and hopefully on some level understanding what I'm trying to communicate. And in that way, I came to the realization that I hope this process brings you to in your own life, which is if you will stop taking your dream so literally, you might just find out that some tiny way you are already living them. Just a few credits for this episode. The podcast that uh, got me thinking about interpreting lifelong dreams is the podcast This Jungian Life. And like all things that I recommend, I just hope that everyone understands that I'm in no way co-signing every idea that they explore on this podcast. Um, in fact, there are episodes that I'm like, I'm not into this. So, you know, I hope that 
we can all be adults about that. Um, but this young in life, tons and tons of stuff that I just has just broke me open and I love. It's a little bit more um, deeper psychological dives. So if that's not your thing, you know, it's not a lot like this show, I would say. It's a di totally different thing. Also, shout out Scott Erickson, Scott the Painter, author of the book, Say Yes. And it's all about what to do with the death of a dream. I didn't take any specific influence on from that book, but I'd, I, I'd been reading it. And um, Scott comes from like the church world, but this is a very non-churchy take on following your dreams. And uh, like I said, I didn't take anything specifically from that book, but since it's been swirling around in the head and it's kind of an adjacent topic to this episode, I just wanted to shout it out in case there are some overlaps or some things that I subconsciously am influenced by there. Um, I'm a very hyper-vigilant um, footnotes guy, but yeah, if, if you're not scared by a little bit of church talk or that kind of direction, um, a lot of cool stuff in that book as well. Massive thanks to our Patreon. This show wouldn't exist without Patreon. Uh, there are tons of hidden kind of costs to doing a show that you might not be aware of. We have to pay for our email list that some people are signed up to, that that's how they're reminded of this show. We pay for um, hosting and we pay for uh, transcription and we pay for the software to record it and the microphones and all kinds of stuff. Um, this room, the studio room where I record it, all kinds of other stuff, including you know, editing and assistance and, and all kinds of things. And a lot of that gets paid for via Patreon. And so we're super grateful for the people that are supporting just um, without, you know, thanks. But today I'm going to thank them. Thank Luke Frost of Frosty Creative, one of our new patrons. Thanks, Luke. We really appreciate you and we appreciate all the patrons. Massive thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to... Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing this show with so much pizzazz. We appreciate you so much, bud. And thanks to Ryan Appleton and my wife, Sophie Miller, and Katie Chandler for assistance on content and all things Creative Pep Talk. Thanks for listening to another episode. I hope it filled you with tons of pep for this week. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.